All right, welcome into this week's edition of the 3ND Podcast. It's part of the Grizzly Bear Blues Podcast Network. Joining me this week, you probably recognize him. Uh, he only hosted this show for a long time before I was handed the reins after uh, he moved on to bigger and better things. Bringing in Justin Lewis. He's now with uh, Basketball News. Justin, what's going on, man? Dude, you're a way better opener to the show than I ever was. <laughs> I, I don't think so <laughs> I, I mean you can take the compliment or not <laughs> i'll take it i'll take it <laughs> all right what's going on how you doing man i'm good uh, just um i'm i'm just uh trying to remove myself from the heartstrings attached to this grizzly series because um I'm afraid heartbreak may be on the horizon. Well, talk about that real quick, because you're now with Basketball News, formerly with the Grizzly Bear Blues, but you're writing for national uh, national basketball now. How does that differ from being just fully focused on, solely focused, excuse me, on uh, just the Grizzlies? Yeah, it's, it's fun um, because, like, if I see something in the NBA that I want to write about, I have a platform to do that. Like I can just send a message to my editors and be like, Hey, I'm going to write about this. And they're like, okay, cool. And I could do it. Um, but then getting to having the privilege to bring the Grizzlies content to the national audience is really cool too. Um, there's actually, uh, two of us, uh, that are, uh, kind of memphis based on staff but um, the other person on staff is uh contracted by a uh a uh, establishment in memphis so a lot of her content has to go to that first so i get to kind of be the premier um memphis grizzlies person and uh just bringing a perspective that a lot of them don't have because you know they watch their teams we got a guy that is watching the Suns all the time. Got a guy's watching the Hawks, another one watching the Pacers, just, you know, all these guys that kind of have their niche and uh, getting to be uh, the the Grizzlies niche guys been a, been a cool experience. Well, you know, with the when you're writing for GBB, it wasn't that you had to be pro Grizzlies all the time, but you were kind of, you know, you were more in the camp of kind of a fan slash, you know, writer for the team. Is it a little bit different now that you're kind of neutral? You know, is it is it tougher to be neutral about some things? Uh, yeah, it's definitely tougher to be neutral because I've been a Grizzlies fan since day one. Like, um, ever since I started watching basketball, uh, it was for me it was the Steve Nash Phoenix Suns and then the the Grizzlies because this is where I grew up, and so it's to to like they had an article that came out talking about defensive player of the year and, and all team defense. And they didn't give Jaron any, any love. And so here I am just like going to beat down the door. Like, what are you talking about? Like, you know, it's gotta be uh, Jaron Jackson jr. In this conversation. And then when they go and talk about most improved and they don't really give Desmond Bain any love. And I'm like, look, like <laughs> y'all gotta give some respect to the Grizzlies. Uh, and I don't know if that's just because I watch them more or just because I'm so attached as a fan uh, but it's it's it can be tough to be neutral for sure. Well, yeah, talk about those two things real quick. Um, Marcus Smart uh, won the Defensive Player of the Year award. One, did he deserve it? And two, did Jaron kind of get shafted on at least not being in the the top three? 
Yeah, I think both those things are true. Um, I think Rudy Gobert had no business being in in that conversation. Uh, I think he was there out of like uh, respect for who he has been, maybe in seasons past. Uh, I I do understand that when he was out, the the Chaz defense was just terrible. Uh, that's partly because they had Hassan Whiteside in there and. He ain't guarding too many people. Um, but, yeah, I think Jaron should have been top three, and I, I think he should have just replaced Gobert. I think Mikel Bridges and Marcus Smarter more than deserving uh, to be in the top three. But I don't understand how you can have somebody that led the league in stocks and, and then led the league in blocks by a large margin um, in total blocks. Um, I get that, you know, he's still fouled, but his on-off numbers were, were still um, pretty – Pretty crazy, you know, he was the anchor of a defense that led to the second best record in the entire NBA. And I just don't understand why that didn't get factored in as much. And I think that is because, um, one, there are campaigns that get made for these players towards the end of the season. Um, and then number two, think about the markets of the three guys that finished. So Utah's not a huge market, but Gobert has the notoriety because um, he's he's won the award before. And then Marcus Smart was in Boston, and he was getting pushed by a lot of people. And then Michael Bridges is on the number one team in the NBA. So I don't I don't know if, you know, the Grizzlies campaigned very well for Jaron Jackson Jr. to to be there. I think – I don't know if they just assumed that he should and that the numbers spoke for themselves or what. But um, I think going forward, um, Jaron's going to need, you know, need some help uh, from, from Memphis writers and the organization itself and campaigning for him. Um, and then on his end, he just needs to cut down some fouls and, but it's, it's crazy because think about it, you know, the year that Marcus all won defensive player of the year, he was second team all defense. So who knows how the voting really turns out in the end anyways. Well, that's, um, Marcus all kind of got traction as the defensive player of the year. I think when Zach Lowe put out an article, um campaigning yeah yeah campaigning for him i think it was on was it on Grantland? was that still around at the time that sounds right i want to say it was it was for that and i think the difference is because i believe that writers vote on the awards and it's coaches and players that vote on the teams i think that's right or front office that two different people two different groups of people are voting on those awards as compared to the teams and that's why that year that uh, Gasol was uh, defensive player of the year. He made the second team all defense, but still, I mean, Jerry, it, it is kind of weird seeing that uh, Jaron didn't make the top three. Um, I get with an award like defensive player of the year award. I mean, I think Bam actually had a, uh, a valid argument as well, being not being listed in the final three, you know, you have that type of award in which you can list five finalists and you have the six man of the war, year award where it's like, it's going to be Tyler Hero, and you just got to name two other guys that, you know, may get a little consideration, but that's kind of how it feels like. Um, most improved, John Morant, a finalist, Desmond Bain, not. John Morant's not happy about that. Do you think that's because he was the number two pick in the draft? He's like, um, I'm kind of expected to be this good type deal. Uh, who was the third finalist? Beside, it was Ja, Darius Garland, and – um, I don't remember who the third person was. It, it it wasn't Tyrese Maxey, was it? I don't believe so. 
Um, let me look real quick. I, oh, it was uh, Dejounte Murray. All right. So, what it what it seems to me like is second year players just aren't going to win that award um, because they're expected to make some type of leap between their rookie year and sophomore year. Because if we're being honest, Tyrese Maxey has been an absolute beast. Yeah. Um, this year, just like Desmond Bain has, like those two have been the top of the charts. I think and most improved. But I, I'm with you in the fact that, like, did Ja really improve all that much? Or was he just, like, did his team around him improve? And did they get more comfortable with the system? And did they do build a better roster around him by removing Balanchunas and putting in Steven Adams? Um, like, I, I don't think, like, skill-wise – Ja really improved much on anything. Like he was the same dude that he was last year, um, but at a at a superstar level. Um, so I agree that I think Desmond Bain should be in the conversation instead of John ja Morant. Um, but you know, hey, if he pulls down an award, that that'd be cool too. Yeah, it's it's gonna be something that he's he's gonna appreciate if he does win it. But you know, he's he's always the kind of guy that's going to fight for his other guys when he feels like they're not getting the uh the appreciation that they should get or the uh the media coverage that they should get because I mean we had Eric on at the beginning of the season and he kind of hinted at that's kind of the way the Grizzlies were going where they were building around Ja so doing that it was always expected with the front office for Ja to be this good and you know we always hear yeah, guys improve from the second year to the first, from the first year to the second year, but it always feels like that the third year is when superstars become superstars because they make that third year leap, and that's kind of what Ja did. Uh, that is what Ja did this year. Right. All right. Uh, let's uh, let's move on to the playoffs. Grizzlies right now down game one game to none. Minnesota stealing game one in Memphis. Um, First off, we got to keep the protesters out because, man, Minnesota's undefeated. Somebody's protesting the game. So that's one thing the Grizzlies <laughs> the Grizzlies have to keep, uh, you know, keep those protesters out. That was, a, that was a crazy thing. But, no, seriously, though, um, Minnesota hit them in the mouth right from the tip. The Grizzlies clawed their way back, but they can never get over that hump because Anthony Edwards was just amazing in game one. Yeah, it, man, I, with with this series, like, going into it, I, I was talking to somebody, and I was just like, man, Anthony Edwards, like, is the one that you got to watch out for. I understand that D'Angelo Russell's put up the numbers that he's put up against us, but, like, it's it's Edwards. And he's like, nah, I'm not worried about him. I'm worried about Russell. And then he comes out and just shows you, like, he ain't scared of of the bright lights. Like, it's, it's not uh, – too much for him in the moment in his first playoffs and with his ability to knock down shots and Russell's ability to knock down shots and then cat can knock them down. And then Beasley come off the bench has always killed the Grizzlies. Uh, this is not a, a uh, great series for us. No. And we were talking about it before the series started and, uh, you kind of hinted that you thought it was possible that uh, you weren't you weren't comfortable and you were thinking that it's possible that the Timberwolves could actually take this series. 
Yeah, so, you know, there was the Grizzlies Twitter police out there that were saying stuff like, um, I see some of y'all are hedging your bets saying that uh, the Grizzlies are, aren't going to win, but then when they do, you'll be like, oh, I'm glad they did, but if they don't, oh, I was right. Like, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not doing that. I, I just see a basketball team since January or the All-Star break in Minnesota that's been really freaking good. Um, and they've got just this roster and this this makeup that just is not a good matchup and situation for the Grizzlies. Um, and on top of that, like, let's just be real honest about the Grizzlies. Who does Taylor Jenkins model his system after? Budenholzer. Right. right? And for right. years, the story on Budenholzer was great, awesome, regular season team the system doesn't fit the playoffs and yeah. it took multiple years of having a superstar and Giannis Antetokounmpo and the right roster around him, two elite defenders, Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton, that could also knock down shots to make that work. And I'm just not convinced that the roster around John Morant right now is ready to win this series because you only got one guy that you can count on to shoot the ball. And then you don't really have a lockdown perimeter defender on top of that. And that was shown in the fact that Anthony Edwards went freaking off in the first game of the series. And Boodles are even lost a job because he couldn't get things done in the playoffs. And it was, you know, he had what all the starters for an Eastern Conference uh, all-star game. All five starters made the, made the all-star game for the, yep. uh, for the Hawks. And he lost his job because he just couldn't get it done in the playoffs. And like you said, it took a guy like Giannis, two-time MVP, possibly three-time MVP, for them to get a title. And plus, plus the other pieces. But still, you know, you got a you got a generational player um, on your team, so you should be competing for an NBA title. Um, no, I don't have a problem with. Uh, I joked with you. I said, "Oh, we can take your victory lap if the." Uh, Grizzlies lose. I don't have a problem with it. Somebody being like a Grizzlies fan cheering for the Grizzlies and then being like, I don't know if they can win this series. It's, you know, if you watch basketball enough, you can kind of realize that um, certain matchups don't favor certain teams. And this is kind of the way it is with the Grizzlies. I think you said it. Um, we've talked about it. Like Minnesota is the, the matchup that scares you. And they ended up playing Minnesota. And, um, We'll see. I mean, what 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 do you think? What do the Grizzlies need to do to come into Game Two to walk out of FedEx Forum with a series tied? As much as I lauded Stephen Adams all year long, I think you got to see less of him. Um, I think you've got to have a lot of Jaron Jackson at the five and Brandon Clark at the four. Um, and I, I saw somebody talking about you know, running Anderson and Clark lineups. Neither one of them can handle Carl Anthony Towns. Like, it's obvious that that Jackson is going to have to be on the floor or Adams, or I've seen it tossed around that Xavier Tillman should, should grab some minutes, and I'm not against that because he should have the strength to be able to hang with Carl Anthony Towns and the mobility to switch some screens and, and guard him on the perimeter because on the, the pick and rolls, like, Towns was just blowing by Steven Adams and – that's just not going to cut it defensively. Now on offense, um, you know, everybody was screaming how Jaron Jackson Jr. was – or not Jaron, how Dylan Brooks was going to be the X factor in this series. And I said, no, it's Jaron. And it was proven that it's Jaron because 
Dylan torts on the perimeter, but scored. And he scored at a decent efficiency, but that didn't matter. What mattered was that Jaron wasn't in the game and Jaron wasn't scoring the way we need Jaron to score. He is the X factor. We need him to, to not settle when somebody like Jared Vanderbilt or McDaniels is guarding him because they can hang with him on the perimeter. He needs to take both of them down to the paint and just abuse them. And then I, they're going to clog that paint on John Morant and his drives. Like, that is their game plan, period. And it's just simply put, De- DeAnthony Milton's got to show up. He can't have a Utah playoff repeat from last year where he just yeah. disappears. Um, somebody other than Desmond Bain is going to have to step up and knock down some shots. And I, I couldn't try to predict to tell you who that would be. Um, so you talked about D'Angelo Russell. Um, he didn't have a great game one. Everybody was talking about how, you know, Anthony Edwards is not going to make all the shots that he made in game one. You know, he was just on fire. It's it's unrealistic to expect him to do that. But to me, I think it's unrealistic to expect D'Angelo Russell to have that quiet of a game in game two as well. Yeah, I don't know if that was – defense and the game plan or is he just took a back seat because both uh towns and and uh ant had it going but like that that's the thing that scared me about this series from the get-go like if we were playing the clippers you're only worried about really paul george like and you wouldn't even have to be worried about him right now (laughs) right like i'm not scared of reggie jackson like i'm just not i've never been scared of reggie jackson (laughs) right but when i look at this roster that the timberwolves have man like they got three guys that can just go off. And then they got Beasley off the bench who can go off too and who has his entire career against the Grizzlies, so much so that I've always wanted him on the Grizzlies. Like, anytime I play 2K, I immediately trade Dylan Brooks from Malik Beasley so I can, you know, just satisfy a couple of needs that I have when it comes to the Grizzlies roster. But, yeah, I, just their ability to knock down shots and then their versatility with guys like Vanderbilt and – um and McDaniels and then having Beverly there to bring that psycho energy like good luck keeping like two of those three guys quiet like it it might be Russell's turn on Tuesday night and and Cat may struggle because we you know decided to take him away can you take away two of these three guys at once that's a that's a question that they're going to figure out how do you see the rest of the series going I wish you asked me this after game two, <laughs> but <laughs> um, sorry. I, I honestly would probably bet my house on the Grizzlies winning Tuesday night. I just don't see a way that John Morant's going to let this team lose uh, game two. But I, I, I said it from the beginning this, this series was going a minimum of six. And I, I still think that's the case. Like, I don't, I don't think. We're getting swept. I don't think we're losing in five, and I don't think we're about to rattle off four straight wins. I think I think this might be going seven, and um, anything goes in the game seven. And I, I want to sit here and tell you that the Grizzlies are, are going to move on in the series, but if, if, I, if I was, like, gun to my head having to put money on a winner of the series, I'd probably put the money on Minnesota. And it, and it simply comes down to the perimeter shooting. Like, they can shoot. We can't. And it's as simple as that. Wow. 
already uh that was a nice heel turn there justin you know <laughs> <laughs> no i'm just kidding uh, i i said before the series i i feel like grizzlies in six i'm still gonna stick with that because you know i, I don't i think it's too early in the series for me to back off of that because it's still possible that the grizzlies make adjustments but it will be interesting to see what kind of adjustments they do make in the uh heading into game two because if Minnesota comes off and does what they did in game one, I mean, it could be a quick wrap. And I hate to be that way, but, you know, you lose your first two at home, you're going on the road, it's hard. I mean, it's not going to be easy. It's only happened twice. A team that has lost the first two games at home have only won a series twice ever. Like, it, it's just – it's an impossible hole to dig out of. And, and like, to be clear – we are not going to lose this series because of John Morant. Like, that right. dude is going to do everything possible. Right. Um, he's probably going to average over 30 points a game in this series because he's going to have to. It, it really comes down to Jaron. And I think Jaron got a crappy whistle um, in the first – I mean, there was a lot of whistles that took place in that first game. Um, but I think if Jaron can't figure it out and we don't get some nuclear performance from Desmond Bain or DeAnthony Melton, it's, it's going to be a tough go. Yeah, um, I, you've said that you feel like Jaron Jackson's the X factor in this series, but do you still feel that way with the way the Grizzlies, um, I guess with the way Minnesota's been shooting from outside, or do you think it is Bain or Melton or, I mean, you know, even Dylan Brooks with uh, if he catches fire? Yeah, I, I still think it's Jaron um, just because of him being the anchor uh, for what we do defensively. Um, and I think – it his his scoring matters that much too like he is so needed on both sides of the floor um and that's why you paid him what you paid him uh because of what he brings to this team and just really how perfect of a fit he is with job when he's right um but he just he needs to get right very quickly all right, since you're now a national basketball writer i will move on from this this grizzly series Let's talk about the other playoff series, seven other playoff series going on right now. Um, we're recording this Monday night. So if you're listening to this, these games have already ended. But as we sit right now, Philly has a 19 point lead on Toronto in the fourth. And then uh, Utah, Dallas, Utah holds a two point lead heading into halftime, almost at the half against uh, Utah against Dallas. So um, of the other seven series, is, has anything surprised you so far? surprise I let's see I think Dallas hanging on the way they did against Utah with that Luca was surprising um just how much he drives what they do um I think they would have won that game had they had him yeah um, and I think they win the series if he was if he was healthy um the other one Golden State uh Denver I I hope Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. come back and make this a series because what I I'm man even if the Grizzlies make it out of the first round like that's that's about to be a buzzsaw uh, yeah. if the Warriors get right I was hoping that Dallas would end up with a three seed instead of the four so that we could see them second round instead um, I think I was surprised at how much the Pelicans struggled um, I, I mean I knew Phoenix was good but good lord man like. Chris Paul might go down as the best point guard of all time. Like he is insanely, 
insanely good. Um, and he executed like almost perfectly on both sides of the floor all night long. Um, I thought with, with CJ McCollum and, and Brandon Ingram, like that was enough to at least give them a fight and they didn't. And then I think we were in for one hell of a series uh, with Boston and, and Brooklyn. Yeah, That was a fun, fun basketball game to watch last night that I lost uh, a parlay on in the last <laughs> second. <laughs> but I, I took the Brooklyn money line and I had to watch that go down in flames. That's a, that's a high level series. That's, you know, that's, that's really a, an Eastern conference final type level with those two teams. And, you know, it, it's unfortunate that only one can come out of that series, but whoever comes out of that series for sure earned it. Um, with we, you said Chris Paul maybe could go down as the greatest point guard of all time. If Phoenix doesn't win it this year, can you say that about a guy that hasn't won a title nor won an MVP award? Like, do you think that you could say yeah. that he's the best point guard of all time? I think he has to do it this year. I think you're right. I think he um, – well, I mean, let me ask you this. Who do you think the greatest point guard of all time is right now? I mean, can we count Magic Johnson? I guess. I mean, in my mind, I'm I'm thinking of two guys who also didn't win championships. You talk Stockton and Nash. And Nash. Nash got two MVPs though. I mean, some people may argue that he only deserved one. Kobe deserved one of those years that uh Nash didn't get it, but still he's got two MVPs. And no, I I, I agree. Those those two guys are like two pure point guards. Um, I you know, I could be like smart and say Oscar Robertson, but I wasn't alive. I can't really you know? Right. Yeah. I'm with you on that. I can't justify, I, I can't argue that. Like if somebody gets into a discussion about it, I can't argue for it because, you know, I, I didn't watch him play. I've seen highlights, but I've never sat down and watched him play, you know, in the flow of a game. Yeah. I mean, if he doesn't win it, I think it's, it hurts him in the conversation and he may just fall just short of, of Stockton and Nash. And, and if you want to include a guy like magic, um, but if he wins it, um, and then wins the finals MVP, then, you know, he just, he's so good. I hope he stays healthy through this run. I'm just scared. That Golden State team, um, we'll see him again tonight against Denver, see if they can still click like they did in game one. But if Jordan Poole's doing that, good that's, Lord. That's, <laughs> that's bad news for the rest of the league. Dude, and that's the thing about Golden State is like, you know, I, I got some – I got into a debate with Joe about um, the – what seems are best set up for the now and for the future, and he was adamant that it was Memphis. And here I am trying to, to you know, be neutral and looking at it. And Golden State, man, like they're set up for the future too. Like when you got Jordan Poole and Jonathan Kaminga and James Wiseman for the future – yeah. On on top of your present, you, you are way better in the present, even though, you know, they didn't have this, you know, a better record this year, but that's just because of injuries. Like, Golden State's going to be an animal for years. Yeah. I mean, that's why over the summer we were talking about, you know, I, I said I don't know why everybody's making the Lakers the favorite um, out of the West. And it wasn't just because – I didn't see what happened this year as happening. You know, I didn't think they'd just have a full-on free fall. But – it's like Golden State's still there, and they got young. You know, they got younger, and they're getting Clay Thompson back, and it just kind of felt like, 
everybody was already, you know, checking off the Warriors. And then they're back in the playoffs as a three scene. Everybody's like, oh, yeah. Yeah, those guys. Yeah. Um, do you still do you still feel that Phoenix is the favorite in the West? I mean, they're so good on both sides of the ball. Um, I'd I'd have to ride with them being the favorites, but you know, it, for whatever reason, it would not shock me if if they didn't come out and Golden State is a team that that makes it out of the West. Yeah. So, whoever wins the Grizzlies. Wolf series, you kind of feel that that team's going to be, you know, just fed to the Warriors. Well, I think like with the Warriors, we it's, an, it's another series that you can't like use Stephen Adams, right? Um, so like that's just, I mean, we've we've had the Warriors number this year, so like there's reason to believe that we could, like, because Minnesota, we've not had their number. Um, the Warriors don't have the length defensively to bother jaw like the Timberwolves do. Um, but their offense can be so freaking potent. Like it's just scary, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it's reminiscent of the old Warriors teams where you're hanging tough, you're hanging tough, you're hanging tough, you're down six, you're down seven, you know, and then two minutes later, you're down 20 and you don't know what happened. And they, Hit a three, get a stop. Hit a three, get a stop. Hit a three, get a stop. And then you're just like shell-shocked. You can't do anything because you're already down. And the way they shoot, you're not coming back from that. Because if you do, you know, get it down to single digits again, they're going to blitz you and hit you with another one of those runs that got you down by that much in the first place. Yeah, it's it's the avalanche thing with them. And um, I just don't know if, again, we have the – the defenders to keep up with that. Well, all right. Moving on, beginning of the season, when you were the host of this 3D podcast, we went over some over-unders for um for the preseason for the regular season numbers totals. And I went back and listened to our podcast and got all the numbers. And you went 15 and 15 on your picks. Now, to be fair, you did choose every single team. I was a little more, you know, selective. I chose seven teams and I went five and two, but you went all the way in and chose all 30 NBA teams. Are you are you happy with your results or felt like you uh, could have done better? Were you surprised? First of all, I don't remember you chickening out and only picking seven <laughs> seven teams i don't I, I thought we both went um i didn't realize that i picked all 30 i thought that we both picked a decent amount but i didn't know well, that were... we went back and you, you said that you did all the uh the over-unders and you said it was kind of you said we'll do a rapid fire and you asked me like if the ones that i had marked down uh to kind of weigh in whatever you got to them so that's why i said to be fair you chose all 30 i chose seven so 15 and 15 um yeah I, I i'm happy with some of them like it sucks that i missed the orlando magic by a half game like i, yeah. I was pretty convinced that they were going to win more than 22 and they won 22 you missed um, denver by a half game you had under 47 and a half they went they won 48 and then you missed orlando by a half you had them over 22 and a half they won 22 
On the other, on the flip side, you had Philly over 50 and a half. They won 51. And you had OKC over 23 and a half and they won 24. Yeah. So I guess they evened out on the, the close ones, but um, I mean, who, who the hell thought that Jokic would do what he did this year and, and carry the team the way that he did like, right. Lord. Um, but yeah, I think I'm, I'm, did I, do you have like, which ones I picked? Yes. So what did I do with the Lakers? Did I get them right? Yes. You had them under 52 and a half. That's what I'm talking about. What about the Pelicans? They, yeah. they ended up going over, didn't they? No, they did not. Even with CJ? Even with CJ. It was 39 and a half. I think they won 35. They won 35, 34. Sweet. I, I thought I was going to miss that one because they picked up CJ, and I was sitting there thinking they won like – 36. I was like, how am I supposed to, you know, know that they were going to have CJ? Well, to be fair, when I w- went back and listened to it, there were a few of them. Like Indiana and Portland, you had the overs for, and you didn't know that those two teams were going to be sellers and then tank. Right. Yeah. So that that those are the kind of things that you know, you don't you don't anticipate happening, and it just does, and that's the way of the NBA. But yeah. you probably still would have come out ahead, even though you went fifteen and fifteen, because you said hammer uh, the under on the Pelicans. So that would have probably been your big bet, <laughs> and that I, would have probably paid off all the rest of them. I think I also said to hammer Orlando on the over, and <laughs> I think that would have uh evened out there too um you were you yeah. were very uh adamant about betting the over on orlando but still you weren't as confident as you were when you were talking about the pelicans under so which which two did you miss i had milwaukee over 54 and a half you did as well and uh i had philadelphia under 50 and a half okay the ones i hit i had grizzlies over golden state over new orleans under san antonio over and then toronto over gotcha yeah good call on toronto i don't i don't know if i picked uh, you had toronto. that too we, we both agreed that they really didn't tinker enough with the team that it felt like that they were a drop they dropped off too much last year and then you called og stepping up this year so that was a good call by you. We both agreed that we thought that they would actually win about 40, at least 40 games. Look at us knowing a little bit about basketball. <laughs> That's why you're big time now. No, no, I am not. <laughs> I am the, the low man over there at, uh, at basketballnews.com. But uh, I, I learn a lot being over there. That's for sure. That's good, man. I'm, I'm, I'm happy for you. And do you, you got anything else before we uh, wrap this thing up? No, I, I guess I would want to know kind of your thoughts on what's going to happen with the series and your thoughts on uh, Jaron finishing fifth in the voting. Um, I feel like that he should have been top three. Um, Rudy Gobert, it just – it kind of feels like he got in there on reputation. Pretty much everybody but Jazz fans kind of felt that he wasn't necessarily – should have been in the running for it. That's really where, what I feel about that. Um, I don't know what Jaron needs to do to improve next year, maybe cut down the fouls, but if it's just that small thing that he has to fix, then I don't understand why he wasn't one of the top three finalists. Cause it feels like, you know, he cleaned that up at times, you know, he would go through spurts of where he would pick up four, five, six fouls in a, in a game uh, over a span of like five or six games. But then he felt, it felt like he would clean it up a little bit. Um, 
I, again, I don't know if it's somebody else that can help him out a little bit more that makes people notice him. I don't know. I don't know what he can do besides, I guess, like you said, get the, the local media and national media to give him a little more love and a little more attention to have other people pay attention to him. Uh, the way the series is going to go, I'm like I said, I'm sticking with my my six Grizz and six. Um, I'm not as confident as I was when I first said that. And if I would change it, I would say Grizz and seven because it's going to be hard to win in Minnesota as well. Like they're going to have to close out in Minnesota. I understood that when I put Grizz and six, but after seeing the way Minnesota shot the ball and how well they played in game one and how the Grizzlies really were never able to take control of the game. Like they were never in control. Minnesota, you know, let them back in and Minnesota just would hit a, hit a shot when they needed one. The Grizzlies didn't do that and they didn't look confident and it looks like that they were pressing and it will just really depend on what I see from them in game two, because if they come out with that same mentality to where it looks like they were rusty or, you know, kind of took it for granted, they're going to get beat and they're going to get beat in six games, not win in six games. So that's, that's my thought on the series. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I can appreciate you doubling down on what you originally picked. Um, I mean, I, I never had an official on any of these series. I never had an official. This is, you know, the number of games somebody's going to win in. Um, I guess I didn't want to be wrong. I mean, I don't know, <laughs> but um, I've been wrong too many times to actually care anymore. So <laughs> that's, I mean, haven't, haven't we all, um, but no, I, I appreciate you you bringing me back on to uh, come and and talk Grizzlies and and the NBA all together. Um, I'm currently working on a Grizzlies Minnesota specific podcast episode for my podcast uh, that'll go live after Game Two with Zach Noble, um, and then I'm going to have uh, EJ Onu of the Memphis Hustle on. Uh, for an interview coming up soon as well. Just waiting on him to tell me a date because he told me he sucks at interviews and he doesn't <laughs> uh, he doesn't want to go more than 15 minutes. So he's he's being kind of gun shy with me. So I got to get um, get him locked down. And then I've got a um, a series coming also on the Jones brothers, Tyus and Trey. Uh, well, just... Jonas, I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> uh, I'll get to talk to Tyus and Trey this summer, uh, and do a little piece on them as brothers in the NBA. So, That's cool. uh, some cool stuff coming on on my end, um, and some a lot of stuff happening over at Grizzly Bear Blues. Um, all the new guys have been, you know, stepping up and and kicking tail, kind of where some of us were slacking uh, there at the end of our time, but. Uh, I appreciate you reaching out. It's always, always a good time talking with you. No problem, Justin. I appreciate you coming back on and uh, you're not too big for us yet. So I appreciate that. Never, never be too big. <laughs> he is Justin Lewis. You can find his stuff on basketball news. You can find him on Twitter at Justin underscore Timberfake underscore. I get that right. You did. You can also find him on red cup Re rebellion uh covering Ole Miss sports if you're into that and you can find this podcast anywhere where you can listen to any podcast part of the Grizzly Bear Blues podcast network 
with the starting five, the core four, the long view with Parker Fleming and GBB live with Joe Molinax. For Justin, I'm Ben. Until next week, go Grizz.